Today we're going to talk about the three things you need to keep your computer secure. They are MSE, MB, and UB. I'm also going to answer a question I got from Ana Rita, and you're going to learn about my first internet business. Welcome to another episode of The Computer Tutor, tips, tricks, and advice from a computer pro without all the tech talk. And now, here is your computer tutor, Scott Johnson. That's right. This is Scott Johnson, and you're listening to the Computer Tutor Podcast. I do computer repair right here from my home office here in Florida. I can fix a computer that a client brings to me, but more and more of my work is being done remotely. That means you and I are on the phone, but we're both looking at your screen. You can just sit back and watch me work. If you have a problem with your computer, there's a good chance I can help. Just give me a call at 727-254-9078, or you can always email me at pctutor at gmail.com. And as I record this, if you hear a scratching sound, that's probably my two little puppies. I always send them out of my home office when I record the podcast, and they always want to come back in. Anyway, today's computer tip can be seen at my website at computertutorflorida.com forward slash 088. So let's get started. Well, there's a question that I get asked on a fairly regular basis, and that question is, what's the best antivirus to use? One thing I've learned over the years in doing computer work is that I can't just answer that question with the name of a piece of software. There's more to it than that. It's kind of like asking your car mechanic, in order for my car to run perfectly for a long time, what brand of oil should I use? Now, not that the oil isn't important. Obviously, it's very important. It's just not the only thing you need to be mindful of in order to take good care of your car. You have to have a more comprehensive approach. And your computer's the same way. There's more to it to keep it safe and secure than just choosing a good antivirus program even though the antivirus is an important part of the equation. The way I see it, there are actually three important things you need in order to keep your computer running safely and securely. Now, as I mentioned in the opening, I abbreviate them MSE, MB, and UB. The first thing is MSE. That stands for Microsoft Security Essentials. That's the antivirus program that I use and recommend. I've been using it for years, and I've actually been pretty happy with it. I used it for a while before I started recommending it to clients, and it was a fairly easy thing to get clients to use because it's free. People like free stuff, you know, as long as it works. Is it perfect? Of course not. No antivirus is perfect. You know, it's like when you get a flu shot. That doesn't guarantee you won't get the flu. The shot is just another layer of added protection. Well, that's what the antivirus program is for your computer, another layer of protection. So the antivirus is the first thing, and that's MSE, Microsoft Security Essentials. The second thing is MB. That stands for malware bytes. Even though malware bytes is actually just one word, I still see it pretty commonly abbreviated MB. That's the anti-malware program that I use and recommend. It will detect and remove things that Security Essentials, the antivirus, won't see, and vice versa. They complement each other very well, and I, I really believe both of them are necessary. 
Now, along with my strong recommendation for Malwarebytes, here's a warning. There's a free version of that program, and you might be tempted to get that and think that's all you need. That would be a false sense of security. The free version just sits there doing nothing until you actually run it and do a scan. Then it scans your computer to see if any bad stuff has gotten in and needs to be removed. But the paid version or the pro version runs all the time in the background and stops stuff from coming in in real time. And I'm going to talk more about that phrase real time in just a minute. It's much better to keep stuff from getting on your computer than it is to remove it after it's gotten on. And the pro version of Malwarebytes will also prevent you from inadvertently clicking on a link that will take you to a malicious or an infected website. You can get the pro version for $24.95 per year, and that covers three computers. So it's not expensive, and it's definitely a lot cheaper than having a computer repair person remove some malware that's gotten into the computer when it could have been prevented. And for links to those programs, you can get them at my website, computertutorflorida.com forward slash 088. But even if you have a great antivirus and a great real-time anti-malware program, you're still not fully protected unless you use one other thing. That brings us to the third item, which is abbreviated UB. That stands for User Behavior. No, that's not the name of some security software program. User behavior refers to how you use the Internet and what you choose to click on. Unfortunately, a lot of computer users like to click on just about anything they come across. This is something I see all the time, and a lot of my computer repair time these days is spent removing the junkware that gets on computers inadvertently. So what I have here are four basic rules or guidelines for safe computer user behavior. And if you follow these four rules, you're going to be doing pretty well. First rule is don't open email attachments unless you know what it is. Personally, my policy is almost 100% to not open any email attachments. There are a few rare exceptions to this, but not too many. I have people tell me all the time, I don't open email attachments unless it comes from someone I know. Well, As weird as it may seem, that logic is completely backwards. You should not open email attachments, especially if it's from someone you know. That's because, think about this, your best friend could get a computer virus, and that virus could send itself out by email to you and to everyone else in the address book without your best friend even being aware of it. And you would open it because it came from your best friend. Email attachments are still the number one way to get a virus, even after all these years. Just don't open them. And if you feel like you have to open one, make sure you know exactly what it is you're opening. Second guideline is don't trust Google search results to be safe. When you do a Google search, the sites that come up in the results are often just scam sites. They're designed to put malware on your computer or to trick you into doing something you shouldn't do. If you want to deliberately get a bunch of bad stuff on your computer, just do a Google search for free anything. Free music, free games, free screensavers, whatever. And then just click on the pages that come up in the search results. Guideline number three is don't assume that that tech support person on the phone is legitimate. This is a huge scam right now, and it continues to grow. I'm talking about fake tech support. This is when you're just hanging out at home, maybe not even using a computer, 
and you get a phone call from someone claiming to be a tech support person. Usually they'll say they're with some company whose name anyone recognized, like Microsoft, or they might get tricky and say they're with the customer contact division of Microtech, which of course means absolutely nothing, but it just sounds very official. You might talk to them on the phone for a while, but their end goal with that phone call is two things. They want to log into your computer, and they will eventually ask you for your credit card number. When they log into the computer, they'll show you on your screen where you have all these errors and problems that need to be fixed. And for just a few hundred dollars on your credit card today, they'll fix those problems for you and give you lifetime free tech support. Well, it's complete baloney. A little while back, I did a phone call with one of these scammers, and I recorded the call and I recorded my computer screen so you can see exactly what he was doing. That video has gotten like 35,000 views on YouTube, and if you want to see it, you can see it on my website. It's computertutorflorida.com slash 033. And guideline number four is don't let software get installed unless you know what it is. This means that when you're installing a program on your computer, you have to pay attention. You can't just click next, 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 and I agree, because what you're agreeing to, you shouldn't agree to. That's where a lot of garbage gets put on your computer, and it happens when you're just not paying attention. These guys are hoping you're not paying attention, because that's what makes it a lot easier for them to sneak this stuff in. You have to always be aware and deliberate about what you allow to be installed on your computer. All right, so those are the three major components to computer safety and security. Microsoft Security Essentials, Malwarebytes, and User Behavior. If you use all three of those things, your computer should always be safe and secure. Now, I wanted to mention one thing in addition. I had an email this past week from Ana Rita. She wrote, I just discovered your podcast recently, and I just love listening to it because you explain things in a simple, understandable way. But anyway, my question is, what is real-time protection in applications? And if I have the free version in which it does not include real-time protection, am I not secure? I'm confused. If you could explain it to me, I would appreciate it. Well, thanks, Anna. That's a good question. And Malwarebytes is a good example of this idea of real-time protection. The free version of Malwarebytes just sits there, not doing anything until you run it. Then it finds something that may have gotten in. The pro version, on the other hand, runs all the time. So rather than discover something bad that's gotten into the computer, it will actually block it while it's trying to get in. That's called working in real time. It's much better to have real-time protection. And for this week's Get to Know Scott part of the show, I'm going to tell you about my first internet business. It actually evolved from a hobby, which I kind of got started in by accident. This was something, I guess it was sometime back in the uh, mid-1990s, and I watched a movie called Glengarry Glen Ross. And to this day, it's still my favorite movie of all time. It has an amazing cast of actors, and one of the actors in the movie is Jack Lemmon. His performance in this movie was just incredible. In fact, after I watched it, I did some research and found an address where I could write to him and tell him that I really loved the work he did in it. Of course, he's done lots of great movies before that and after that. But anyway, I wrote him a quick note just to compliment him on his talent. And when I wrote to him, I wasn't expecting to get anything back, and I didn't ask him for anything. 
But about a week later, I went to my mail, my mailbox and I found an autographed 8x10 photo of Jack Lemon. I couldn't believe it. I thought, wow, this is really cool. I didn't even know you could get autographed pictures through the mail so easily. So I started hunting around a little bit, and I came up with a few more addresses of some famous people that I kind of respected or admired, and I sent them letters. And this time I included a large self-addressed stamped envelope, and I started getting these signed photos in my mailbox. It actually got to be kind of fun going to the mailbox each day to see who was in there. So being somewhat of an entrepreneur, I started to think about how I might monetize this little hobby and make it at least pay for itself. Because for each letter I sent out, I was paying for postage each way and a large envelope each way. So what I did was I took all the addresses that I'd used and I put them in a database on my computer and I set it up so that I could print them all out. At that time, I had probably like 300 addresses for celebrities, and it wasn't just actors. This included uh, authors, scientists, athletes, cartoonists, politicians, all kinds of categories of famous people. And once I had the list of addresses ready to go, I put up a simple one-page website. Basically, it just said, hey, I wrote to these celebrities, and I got a response back, and if you send me five bucks, I'll mail you the list of addresses so that you can write to them yourself. Wouldn't you know it, about a week later, there were two checks in my mailbox for five bucks. So at that point, I knew I was probably on to something, and it kind of snowballed from there. I kept adding to the list and actually changed it into a book format that I always just printed myself and assembled. It got up to about 8,000 addresses, and I was selling the books for $20 each. And I also found a source for unsigned 8x10 photos of thousands of different celebrities. So I sold those on my website, too. And at the peak of activity, my website was getting around 100,000 unique visitors per month. So it was doing pretty well. Then I was contacted by a company in Hollywood, and they wanted to buy my business. And at that point, I was actually wanting to move on to other things at the time. So the timing was right, and I got out. I sold it to them. And then a few years later, I decided to sell my collection of autographed photos. I had many hundreds, probably over a thousand at that time. And I did sell them, but I didn't sell all of them because there was one, uh, a certain group that I couldn't find. I knew there were certain ones I, I knew I had, but I couldn't find them. And about a year ago, I came across that other box out in the garage. And there are probably about a half dozen binders of more autographed photos, and I'm planning to list those on eBay again whenever I get some time. Lately, I've been so busy with computer work, I haven't had time for much of anything else. And that first signed photo, the one I got from Jack Lemon, I still have that one. It's not for sale. You know, I'm kind of curious what you think about these Get to Know Scott segments. Interesting? Boring? I'd love to hear your comments, as well as any questions or suggestions for future podcast topics. You can always call my podcast voicemail line, 727-386-9468, or email me at pctutor at gmail.com. So that's it for this week. As always, I'll see you back here next Monday morning with another computer tip. Well, that wraps up this episode of the Computer Tutor Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. If you'd like to contact me with a question, a comment, or a suggestion for a future topic, you're welcome to do so at my website, computertutorflorida.com. And while you're there, sign up for my free Monday morning email newsletter. 
If you have a computer problem, give me a call at 727-254-9078. In many cases, I can take care of a problem remotely, so it doesn't matter if you're here in Florida, up in Maine, or way out in California. I'd love to help. Thanks again for listening, and have a great week. God bless.